Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, coaching example, interrupting, part three. Here we go. Folks, we encourage you to check out our Effective Relationship series of podcasts uh, for sale. Over 35 podcasts on virtually every combination of D, I, S, and C, manager and direct. And since we cover coaching in every one of those casts, really encourage you to take a look at them. Uh, Three hour long podcasts um, designed to make you more effective. We're getting ready to get into uh, the planning of kind of very short scope actions as kind of our fourth point in this series. Um, Right. But you you and I were talking beforehand and you thought it might be useful to talk a little bit about uh, brainstorming begin this guess. Dude, there are just too many people who brainstorm. The idea of brainstorming is let's just talk about things. And brainstorming is actually not that. It's a specific set of rules. It's designed to get better outcomes. And probably the biggest mistake that people make is thinking that you're trying to get to a right answer. And that's not the goal of brainstorming. The goal of brainstorming is to generate as many answers as possible, many possible, as many possible ideas as you can with the idea that if you have more ideas, there's a higher likelihood that there's the right idea in that. And generally early on in a project, you don't know what the right idea is. And people who tell you early on in a project that nobody has a lot of experience with, oh yeah, I totally know what the right answer for this is. You have to look a little askance at them. So just want to cover a couple of things. We're not suggesting that this should take the place of going back and listening to the brainstorming podcast. But as a general rule, it's really helpful to be very, very focused for a short period of time. You know, if you have five to seven people, you can go for 15 minutes. But one or two people, you and your direct coaching them, you probably need no more than two minutes. After about two minutes, the energy is going to fade. Okay? No negative comments. No critiques. Okay. If some, that's why we have the peanut butter rule. If somebody says peanut butter, we write it down. We don't care. We don't judge. We're not judging. All we're doing is creating volume. The bigger pile you can create, the better. And that means being willing to have fun. If you're the facilitator, in this case, if you're the manager, inject some energy, encourage, throw a crazy idea out there. And when somebody says something, anything at all, say good. Well done. More of that is better. Another thing you can do is tell your direct that you're going to be uh, brainstorming and tell them to write down notes. If if they're high C or high S, the very good chance is they're not comfortable throwing out a half-baked idea because they're afraid it'll be wrong. High Cs and high Ss tend to, rather than seeking success, they tend to avoid failure. And failure is being wrong with an idea or suggesting an idea that doesn't get used or that isn't the best. Um, So, Tell them in advance, look, write down your ideas in advance and come and let's precede the brainstorming session with a bunch of ideas to start off with. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you tell them what the ground rules are, that you're not going to be negative. We're not going to judge. We're not going to ask questions. We're not going to self-censor. No idea is bad. No evaluation, no critique. And piggybacking is encouraged. If somebody says one thing and it causes you to think of another, blurt it out. Okay. Wild ideas are good and speed is really good. The more you can do it, the better. And those are just some high level things. They don't take the place of the entire brainstorming podcast that we put out. Gosh, it's got to have been six, seven years ago, but really helpful, hopefully for many of you. I just wanted to do that before we moved on to the the short scope actions, which is the next step. I'm sure folks appreciate that. Okay, so, good. okay. So we brainstorm. So now that we've, now we've brainstormed a bunch of resources. Now we have to turn it into action. Yeah, and that's exactly. that's our whole point here in planning very short scope action. So 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 talk about that a second. Yeah, so many managers want to make it too hard. What they do is say, "Oh, I've got a six month plan here. I got to come up with, 
you know, six months times four weeks, 24 weeks, probably five things a week. I have to come up with a hundred tasks in oh, order, yeah. in the right order. Dude, you just shoot yourself in the face. That yeah. ain't going to happen. Ain't nobody going to do it. That's what how do we know think. nobody's going to, how do we think, how do we know nobody's going to do it? Because nobody ever does. When we ask anybody, have you ever had a situation where you knew you're going to have to train somebody or coach somebody for six months and you sat down to come up with a plan and you totally blew it off because you didn't want to do that much work and everybody raises their hand. Hey, and folks, if you're a high C like me, just take it from me. Like you may think that you should do that, that you actually have to do that. I'm telling you you don't have to come up with 100 actions, right? And and if you think you do, you may be right, but you'll never do it. <laughs> send, us an e yeah. send us an email and we'll try to dissuade you. And look, look if, if you think it's going to take you 100 things to get it done, and then you're not going to do it, well, then by definition, that's not a good plan. It's just not. Okay, so we've got to turn this big pile of resources, the Vanderbilt book or private coach or private sessions, notifying the team, reading a book by Deborah Tannen or Peanut Butter or Charm Coach, Stopwatch, whatever, into some sort of cogent plan, a series of tasks for the next couple of weeks to get the direct started in the right direction, okay? We do recommend you start with lower cost stuff. The old joke I used to tell is why isn't everybody when they want to be coached in Toronto in February say, I really need to go to class in Orlando, Florida in February. Well, it really has nothing to do with the class or oh, the no, coaching. No, that's where the best training do, is. Oh, yeah, it has to do with Orlando, or Florida. Or Hawaii, those two, those two places. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you have training budget and you want to give it to them on that, that's fine. But I would say no. Books and mentors and so on are way cheaper ways to go. And look, there's nothing wrong with picking a couple of resources. You know, maybe you know one that will work pretty well, but this is step three of the four-step process. And all three of the first steps are collaborative. Uh, Mike and I are very different as an example. If my friend Dana Gordon were coaching Mike, he would probably encourage Mike to read books because that's Mike's thing. And I'm not against reading books, um, but it's not really how I necessarily want to learn. Uh, Mike would read 20 books, he'd become a genius, and then he'd start doing it himself, and it'd be flawless. Yeah, five years from now. <laughs> if Dana is a good boss of mine, what's he gonna, what, what he's going to do is say, Mark, I know you're a reader, and so if you want to read a book, that's great, but probably what you want is a mentor, somebody who's really good at this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I know a guy, I'll just call him. And usually when I call him, I'm like, dude, can you do this for me? Yeah, that's the problem. You won't learn how to do it. You'll just delegate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. On the other hand, if it gets done, is it really important that I actually do it? Well, we get, that's a separate discussion for some other day. But what's really important here and what surprised a lot of folks is we're only going to plan the first one to two weeks. We're not going to plan the entire six weeks or six months or eight months worth of work. That will take too long. We don't know enough. Things will change 10 times between now and then. And we'll never, ever coach anyone where you have that much planning that you have to do. You simply won't do it in our experience. And if you're one of those room managers who does, you'll get frustrated two months in when you realize my plan is completely shot. There's an old saying, everybody, you know, in a boxing match, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. Right in the military, it was everybody gets has a plan until the, the shooting starts. Yeah, and folks, if your if your plan is going to be a bunch of short term actions, that means you're not going to pick ten resources. Mark said it's okay, you know it's nothing wrong with picking two resources. Yeah. There is something wrong with picking ten because you can't use them all. Yeah, and look, we're going to tell you your direct is not going to do more work. They're going to do all their existing work 
and you're going to coach them, which means they're going to do additional stuff during work. And you might say, well, wait, they all say they're busy. Yeah, yeah, they all say they're busy. Everybody says they're all busy. And then when something comes in really interesting to the shop or to the pharmacy or to the factory, if they're really interested in it, they'll figure out a way to do everything they used to be doing. They'll figure out how to get it done in 90% of the time. And suddenly 10% of their time is freed up. So there's nothing, there's no requirement that you ask your direct to spend more hours on this. We're going to ask them to get more efficient and more effective at the work they're already doing. And they all can, but some people won't admit that they can't. But, but you only need to pick a couple of things. I want to say something else though too, dude. You pick a couple of things. And if they're wrong, we don't care. Mm, good point. Guys, you're not trying to guess the right answer. Sure, use some judgment. Think, I want A and B rather than X and Y. Fine, great, because you think A and B will be better for Mike or Mark, right? Okay. But if A and B are complete bollocks, just complete waste of time, who cares? Maybe you're three or four weeks behind. That's certainly a lot better than coming up with a plan that'll take six months to implement A and B. And after two weeks, you discover A and B don't work. And now you've got five and a half months worth of completely wasted planning that you really are ticked off about having to have done time away from your family or late in the day when you're pretty frustrated anyway. So don't do that. Pick one or two, plan a few weeks. Don't get wrapped around the axle about trying to pick what's right. Pick something that the direct in you think will work and then just pay real close attention to the feedback you get about whether or not they do it and whether or not it seems to be moving them in the right direction. That's all you need to do. Too many people want to make this some sort of perfect five-year Soviet economic plan. No offense to our friends in Russia. That, that stuff didn't work, right? <laughs> so plan the next couple of weeks. Be comfortable with that. Gets lots of, get lots of feedback about the next couple of weeks as you're doing it. And then if your feedback is good, keep going on that path as long as you believe that path is going to get you where you want to go. That's all, that's all that matters. Right. So give, give me an example. I, let's talk about, it comes up all the time, right? So I, you know where I'm going, right? Which is yeah, 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 books. Yeah. It's very often as part of coaching, somebody might need to read a book, right? Right. And, and right. here's an example. You know, how many folks, folks, just you got to honestly answer this. How many of you, have heard of or been assigned a book and come back in at the time it's supposed to be done and have it done. Never, never. It never happens. So look, if you ask people, read a book and you don't give them the book and you say you got a month, ain't nobody gonna do it. You're no. totally right, okay? What's interesting about that is then, then managers draw this inference which is you can't get people to read books. All of their people are reading books all kinds of times. Maybe it's fiction for their kid's class or whatever, but they're reading them, okay? The problem is not the book. The problem is not the drive for people to get ahead. The problem is we're giving them the wrong tools and the wrong stepping stones in order to get there, okay? If you've asked yourself the question about whether or not they read it, don't be surprised if, if, you're, if you think you're in the minority, you're not, um, because maybe only five people raise their hand and say, yeah, it can be done. Left to their own devices, the vast majority of professionals ask to do additional temporary work that doesn't feel urgent won't do it. And you know this to be true, right? And we're not, we're not trying to be cynical. This is fact. And it makes no sense for us to lead and manage based on what uh, we want people to do or what we think they ought to do or what they should do if, in fact, we have good evidence that they won't do it. 
And you say, well, hey, he said he wanted to get better. He wanted to keep his job. He wanted to get the maximum raise. He wanted to look good for promotion. I shouldn't have to prod him to do it. He should just do it. Which, by the way, guys, that brings up one of Horstman's rules, which is when you use the word should in management, bad always bad. Should implies a moral imperative and other people. If they're not doing what you think they should do, they're doing something that makes sense to them. And you using the word should implies a really strong judgment that makes it harder for you to correct. Okay. But look, people are not going to do it. Given a month to read a book, they're not going to do it. And even though this is a self-improvement project, we also want our direct to improve upon their skills, to make them more valuable to the firm for us and for them, and to get more and better work done right? So rather than decrying won't work, what won't work, we ought to embrace reality, Horstman's, I think it's Horstman's ninth law, right? And figure out a way to get them to take the actions to support that they say they want to do. But let's not say you want to get better, you want to get promoted, you want to get out of the doghouse, and then give them a plan and have them not follow the plan and suggest, and when they don't do it, and suggest, oh, it's not the plan, it's them. No, it's not. It's your plan. We need a different plan. Okay, so that means the only thing we found that works is creating a series of short-term, very short-term tasks, okay? And frankly, the, I, I suspect for many of you, the vast majority of you, this approach is validated by your own experience and projects. And, and when I say projects, remember, coaching a direct of yours is you managing a project that is their own self-improvement. If you start a project, think of it this way. If you start a project as a team member, one of the guys on the team, and at the first few weekly meetings, nobody's done any of their deliverables. There's a lack of energy around moving forward. People are probably arguing political turf battles and so on. Um, you totally know you're on a project that's going to die. You know it. You've all been there. You've been there, yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, if in the first two to three or four weeks of working on a project, Every deliverable that anybody else has assigned gets nailed and reported as having been done in the weekly uh, stand-up meeting, and it's early green, as we say. You're probably thinking, finally, we're going to get a project in on time, on budget, and in scope. And it's going to be fun, right? It, you're actually feel like, okay, this is not going to be a slog. It's not going to be me getting in trouble by one, one boss or one project manager or another. It's going to go well. So you said we don't want to, we don't want these tasks to be too long. So what's, what's a good rule of thumb for how long the task should be, the action should be? I mean, are we talking like maybe one action a month or are we talking yeah, maybe two weeks? Yeah, sure, one action a month. Uh, I thought we just put the kibosh Is that too short? Month. Should it be like yeah, two months? Too yeah, two months. Let's make it a year. Let's give them plenty of time. Let's make this a journey of self-discovery. They all can be individual flowers of, of, Blossom lean greatness. No, I'm sorry. I think I just threw up a little bit of my mouth. Um, look, shorter tasks are better. Way, way shorter tasks are better. Tasks that appear almost so trivial, people say, I could do that in five minutes. That's the answer. Look, there, there's something else too. There's a fundamental rule about project management. Every project, this is a rule, guys. This is not horseman. This is a rule of project management. You can ask our friend Cornelius. Every project is in danger of being delayed by the longest unfinished task in the project. If you think of coaching as a project and you know this rule, it makes no sense at all to assign someone a book and expect them to show up in a month with it all read. Because if they haven't read it at the end of the month, that project is now delayed by a month. They don't get credit for the fact that they're 90% of the way there. And look, it's not even just that 30-day long tasks are problematic. 
Obviously, they're the worst examples. Most people don't assign tasks that last longer than that, but they're not the only one. We found that if we assign tasks of as long as one week and we check each week, urgent daily activities regularly take precedence over self-improvement coaching efforts, leading to the coaching project being behind by a week almost immediately. There's, we have data on this, okay? And the fact is, urgency is a key driver of organizational behavior. You all know this. You know that if you have something to do, but there's no deadline, all other things being equal, you're going to act on the tasks that have deadlines or that are reportable and enforceable before you worry about something that doesn't have a deadline. Guys, deadlines that are going to be enforced are the biggest creator of results. So what the manager tools coaching tool does is leverage what we know of humor and organizational behavior and essentially sets short deadlines on doable tasks to increase the chance of completion and to create an early green situation. That's all we're doing. Yeah. And now look, there are some people who say, ooh, those tasks are too small. Okay, fine. You tell your people they're too small and you don't want to do them. You give them tasks that are a week or a month long and you see after a month who's further along. My guys who are spoon-fed small tasks and have 10 of them to do in a week and get them all done in 30 minutes or your guy who said read a book in a month, which all of you say, no, of course my guys wouldn't do that. Before we go on, though, I, I don't think people really get what, what you mean by short task. And I'm not a good communicator. Finally, finally, you're just going to admit it on air that I'm not a good communicator. Is that what you're saying? I'm giving you an opportunity, which you're probably going to do anyway. So uh, I just thought, okay, great, fine. I'll, I'll have, I need a moment. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. So look, let me give you some examples of how you might go about considering or even hiring a professional coach, a personal coach. In this case, remember, we're talking about coaching somebody, Derek here, who interrupts a lot, his fellow coworkers. Here's an example of how you might go about considering or even hiring a personal coach, which was one of the resources that we had on our brainstorm list, okay? So let's say it's, we're, we're in a one-on-one -on -one and it's noon on Monday, okay? Some of you, you're gonna be shocked by this, but we have so much data saying this is the way to do it, you won't get shocked when you actually try it and you discover, as we've heard a thousand times, you're not going to believe it. I tried what you told me to do and it worked. It worked. Unbelievable. Yeah, we, we, we'll actually believe it. Okay, so let me give you an example of the tasks. Again, it's noon today, Monday. By 3 p.m. today, Monday, send me a list of five possible titles a coach could help with interrupting would go by. In other words, names of personal coaches, the titles they would have, okay? By 9 a.m. Tuesday morning, ping me for my five titles if I haven't already replied to your response from Monday. By 2 p.m. Tuesday, send me a list of three coaches you want to contact with their price and why you chose them. By 3 p.m. Wednesday, send me a report on the three coaches with notes on what you thought of your interactions with them and what you recommend we do. Next, by the end of our one-on-one -on, -one on Thursday, send me a recommendation of which coach you want us to hire with total cost after having discussed it with me during our one-on-one, -on -one, which we'll assume is Thursday. By 10.30 a.m. Friday, send me a request for my report on your interactions and interruptions during our staff meeting. So in addition to having this guy going after a personal coach, I'm actually gonna expect my guy to send me a note. Derek's gonna send me a note and say, okay, Mark, what did, 
What did you see in our last staff meeting? How many times did it interrupt? How many times did I, did I interact? How am I on track? Am I not on track? And the last one I have here in the series of examples, this is the seventh one. By 11 a.m. Friday, send me a report with how many interruptions and how many vocalizations or interactions you had in the weekly operations meeting this week as reported by you and me both. Now you'll notice two things are going on there. I'm starting to measure him immediately so I can give him a chance for positive and negative feedback immediately. And I'm also having him research how to go get a coach. And all I've done, rather than him saying, oh gee, I don't know how to get a coach, we're gonna break it down into bite-sized chunks that anyone can do. Hell, do a Google search for personal coaches in the Birmingham, Alabama area, and you'll find 50 of them. And go to look at their websites, and in a half an hour, you can pick five. And you may find that all five that you pick and interview are awful, and it takes you half a day. Okay, fine. This person has been interrupting people for five years. A half a day is not gonna kill you. You just pick five more out of the yellow pages. Maybe, in fact, we call some the EVP of HR in our firm and say, you know any coaches who do interpersonal skills? Oh yeah, we have a list, right? That, that could happen as well. But that doesn't obviate, that doesn't eliminate the value of going out and talking to coaches and finding out which one you're gonna pick. And it's entirely possible as well. You may pick the wrong coach. But again, we're moving in the right direction. At least we know what wrong is and we don't want any more of that. And we know better how to interview them in order to choose in round two who the coach is going to be. That's right. Okay. And look, here's the thing. By tightening tasks that we assign in this coaching self-improvement project, when we tighten them down to an hourly scope, we can in the first week have decided to hire or not hire a coach. Okay. Now look, we're not suggesting you should or shouldn't hire a coach. We just use that as an example. In addition to having to decide whether we're going to hire one, we've also helped the direct enormously feel like they're getting somewhere. And folks, that feeling of accomplishment is not to be taken lightly. It will lead to more effort in the weeks ahead, more willingness to keep at the self-improvement project when there are other tasks on Derek's desk. Simple. Whereas if you sign a book for a month, and they don't do anything for three weeks, and they know they have another week, now they feel guilty, and now they figure out ways not to communicate with you about what they haven't done. I noticed something in your task, and you haven't, you haven't talked about it, but I wanna ask you about it. Each of your tasks ended, or somewhere in there, said you know, that they, they're reporting back to you. They had to send you a recommendation, uh, they yeah. had to report back to you, they had- This is huge. I yeah. mean, I assume you did that on purpose. Yeah, oh yeah. It's <laughs> like it all fits together, like it's a master plan of how Just to be saying. a good manager. Yeah, tasks are not done until they are reported on as being done, okay? This follows our, we have a Hall of Fame cast on assigning work and reporting. Yeah, in, in a sense, work is, quote, done, unquote, in the mind of the doer when she finishes the task. I, we don't argue with that. But folks, listen to me carefully. There are many people who believe large organizations, even medium-sized organizations, are the pinnacle of mankind's achievement because of what mankind can achieve when it organizes in vertically driven structures that are akin to the modern organization today, okay? It literally, organizations allow it. And organizations exist in order to allow the specialization of labor. But if you do work and the rest of the organization doesn't know, that work has no value to the organization. 
And it won't until the organization knows it's done and then can use the results of the work to put it together with something else in order to complete a finished product or to serve a customer or to make something more efficient or more effective. If you spend too long doing work that delivers no value to your organization, pretty soon you're going to be out of work. Think about this for a minute. We've made this point a hundred times. Think for a second about a direct who has finished a task and their manager who doesn't yet know it's done. The direct knows it's done, but the manager doesn't. In order for other work to be done or assigned or aggregated, the manager needs to know it's done. And it is done, but the manager doesn't know it yet. At this point, the direct knows it's done. He did it. And the manager doesn't know it's done. She hasn't heard yet. Who is the best person to help the manager know it's done? Is it better for the manager to go down and always be finding out what the status of things is? Or is it better for the person who did the work who will be the first person to know whether or not the work is done? Isn't it better for them to report that the work is done? The answer is the direct. And, and there's two reasons. There's two reasons for this. First, they're the first to know. And reporting is always easier for the one who did the work than to have someone else go down and investigate whether or not the work's done. But here's the other thing. The direct can do the reporting on it in less time than the manager can find out. And what's more, he or she is doing it at a lower cost per hour than what the manager would charge to go find out whether or not it's done. So, that's long, that's organizational theory 101, guys. But we don't assign reading a chapter of a book. You never do that. We assign to the direct the task of reporting to the boss that the reading is complete. So even if he says, oh, I completed the reading, you say, dude, I'm sorry, but that doesn't count because I didn't know. And the task isn't to read the book. The task is to report to me that the book is done. And by the way, that takes you having finished the book. And there's, look, there's something else that's important here as well. The adult learning model reminds us that we learn by doing, okay? Whenever possible, we look for opportunities to observe our direct engaging in the behavior we want to provide them feedback on what we observe, and we make that a regularly a regular, very short scope task. I, I can't stress this enough. All the classes in the world, all the books, all the mentors, None of that matters if the behavior we're working on doesn't change. When it comes to interpersonal behavior, in this case with Derek interrupting, our direct will have many chances to do well on this change or stumble every day and every week. So, in the scenario we're talking about, it might look like this. Achieve two or less interruptions in your actions with me in all of our interactions this week. Or achieve one or less interruption, interruption in your interactions with me in all of our interactions this week. In other words, at some point in the future. And then at some point after that, achieve no interruptions of me in your interactions with me in all of our interactions this week. So the first one might be weeks one to five. The next one might be week six to ten and then so on. All right. And because these tasks involve us as the manager... We don't actually require reporting along with a task. We observe. Look, 200 years ago, guys, when a cobbler started having more shoes to make than he could keep up with, he hired an apprentice. We started learning the basics of organizational life and separating tasks and so on and specialization from things like cobblers and mills and so on. But they used to sit five feet from one another in probably a drafty, crappy spot. 
And the, the cobbler's assistant didn't feel a need to communicate to the cobbler because the cobbler would look over and see. But that's not true anymore for software or writing or PowerPoint presentations or code development or QA or people who are virtual from you. So we have got to communicate. In addition to assigning, assigning very short scope tasks, we also have to assign, and my favorite phrase, by the way, is send me, um, assign the reporting of the task along with the reporting. And I'm going to say it again in this cast that we have so many times. There is a cast for that. It's, uh, it's called Assigned Work and Reporting, and it is in our Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, folks, if you don't do that now, start doing it and see the results that you yep. get. Much different. Okay, so that leads us to the last part of this, this series, which is reporting progress versus a goal. Essentially, the fourth step in the four-step coaching that's right, model. That's right. Right. This is a step that carries us through the rest of the entire effort. In steps one, two, and three, guys, when you get good at this, you'll be able to set a goal, a DBQ goal. You'll be able to brainstorm resources, and you'll be able to plan the first couple of weeks worth of stuff if you scope them down into very, very short-term tasks. You'll be able to do that in 15 minutes in a one-on-one. It's only this last step that requires iterations week after week after week after week to keep track to keep track of what your direct is doing. Okay, the way this process, this part of the process, is set up, we're getting daily or at least regular updates, day updates in the form of task completion reports, and we are discussing progress briefly each week during our one-on-one with this direct. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, if we're coaching one of our directs. We expect them to brief us on their week's progress during the one-on-one. Now, I've talked to a bunch of managers on this. There's some manager who heard me say that years ago and said, oh, so they have to take their first 10 minutes to brief me. I'm like, well, no, that's not exactly so. And I'm not going to tell you you have to do that. The majority of managers would say, and I would agree, the answer is you don't talk about coaching until the last five to 10 minutes of the one-on-one. And, and you essentially go through their part and your part you know, if they have 20 minutes to go through, then take five minutes for your 20-minute agenda, get done what you can, leave the last five minutes to go over a coaching report, and, and then cover the rest of your stuff sometime later in the day or the next day. Because again, you can go down and find them anytime you want, any given time of the week. Yeah. Well, this is part of the 10-10-10 agenda for one-on-ones, right? 10 minutes for them, 10 minutes yep. for you, and 10 minutes for the future. We, and future includes coaching because we're Here talking about yep. future improvement. Yeah. Okay, but it's not quite that easy. It's not like it's all copacetic and everybody does everything they said they're going to do. But what do we do if they don't accomplish all their tasks? What do we do when they run out of tasks, for instance? Good question. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the two that I, we get the most questions on. And folks, we're going to do more of these and we'll cover more of the questions we get over the course of the next couple of years. But we've already spent a good bit of time on this one and we don't want to bog you down too often. Although, I have to tell you, hopefully you're listening and going, you know, I think I could coach people. Yeah, you could. All the time, you could. You scope it down small enough, it's easy. You take a project that might take six months and you break it down into a thousand small steps and you only take five or 10 of those steps at a time and you take an inch and 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 suddenly you've got a mile. And I'm sure I said this once before, but by the mile, it's a trial. And by the yard, it's hard. But by the inch, it's a cinch. Okay. So what do we do when our direct fails to accomplish something the previous week? I'm sorry. That, that just makes me want to gag a little bit. I'm sorry. Those, those, cute, well, those, cute, those cute little things just really kill me. But what, okay. do you, what do you mean? 
I don't know. You could be on Dr. Phil or something like that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, but what do we do? When they fail to achieve, how do we handle it? Okay. Well, guys, it's easy. We give them negative feedback. Now, look, if those of you who aren't fully knowledgeable about Manager Tools recommendations about the Trinity, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation, rolled out in that order, don't overreact. Negative feedback is polite, it's brief, it's casual, and it's focused on getting the direct to do it right the next time rather than punish them if they made a mistake in the past. Yeah, you, you can give them negative feedback and you could smile while you're doing it. Oh, dude, I do that all the time. You really, really, you could. It works. It works way better if you do. Oh, yeah, it takes yeah. the sting out of it. Yeah, people forget that they have a sign in their forehead, right? Watch out. I'm your boss. I can fire you. Okay. It might sound like this. Hey, can you give some feedback? Sure. When you miss your coaching deadlines, there's more work for later. Can we work on that? Yep. Okay, cool. Here's another one. Can I give some feedback? Sure. When you don't meet with your mentor, I worry about your drive to get better. Okay. Can you do that differently? Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Hey, can you give some feedback? Of course. Yeah. When you don't let me know it's done, I don't get a sense of how you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you let certainly know when you're done with stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here's some more. Can I give some feedback? Sure. When you interrupt twice during a staff meeting, it looks to me like your progress is slowing down. Can you work on that next week and do better? Yeah. Sure, boss. We'll do. Yeah. It's not hard. Now, hopefully when you're listening, you heard a tone of voice that was like, I'm not upset. I'm just telling you, hey, that didn't go well, and I need you to do better next time. That's all. Great managers know feedback is not about the past. It's about getting what we want in the future. If they do something right, we give them positive feedback and say, please do that again next time. If they do something that's not helpful, not efficient, not effective, or wrong, then we give them feedback saying, hey, you did that wrong, and can you change that in the future? Yep. It's same tone, same delivery. Yeah, same, yeah, dude. And trust me, many of you know the dark mark. Many of you know that I can be very demanding. And you ask Wendy or Danny anytime what kind of negative feedback I've given them, they'll tell you it's no big deal. It's not. And we have thousands of managers all over the world that are using negative feedback, and they say, yeah, I don't, I don't hammer them. I don't want to hammer them. They're good. They'll get there. Yep. Okay, so so that's if you gotta give negative feedback. What what if you run out of tasks? And there's a danger here of that, of that happening, right? If you're only doing yeah, short sure. term, you're only planning four or five actions. You know, it's possible that you'll get to one one and go, oh, you're out of task. What do we do then? You know, this is funny. When I when I briefed this years ago to somebody, they're like, yeah, you're right. They won't read a book, but this means I have to come back and replan every couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit. Like, you know, it's the kind of guy that you say to him, hey. I've got a brand new Ferrari for you. You don't even have to pay taxes on it. He's like, yeah, thanks. I already got a small car. <laughs> you're just like, man, you're just a sourpuss. I don't, I don't think you like anything. I think if I gave you a raise, you'd want to know what denomination the bills were going to come in. Right? It's like, really? So when, when your people run out of task, very short scope planning means you're back at the planning of it pretty quickly, more quickly than if you came up with a, a magnum opus, eight month long project plan, which of course would be total crap within a month or two. Many managers are frankly surprised when the five to 10 very short scope tasks they assigned to the direct in week one are already done within that first week. And to go further, which will just blow your mind, some of you, as it did me when it happened to me, some managers actually complain 
they say, I didn't expect them to get all this done. I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, don't you see them making progress? Yeah, but I didn't expect them to get them all done. I'm like, yeah, such a problem you have. Your people are working hard to get better. Jeez, I, I don't know. I think you should shoot yourself in the head right now because it'd be easier for your rest of your life. Yeah. Okay. Some managers actually prefer to go back to throwing the big Hail Mary, right? And they know it doesn't work, but it's just way easier to manage. Less effective, but easier. Yeah. Yeah. What's the joke about the guy who's who's a drunk guy, uh, and he's looking around in his key for his keys on a street corner, underneath a street lamp, and the the cop pulls over and says, "Sir, you need some help." He says, "Yeah, I lost my keys. I got to go home." And the guy says, "Okay, where'd you lose them?" He says, "Well, way over there." He says, "Why are you looking here?" Well, the light's better. Yeah, right? It's like, well, I know the Hail Mary doesn't work, but it's just way easier for me. So I want to do it that way. So if that's what you want to do, guys, you can turn off the rest of this cast because we've given you hopefully ample indications of why very short scope planning is way, is the way to go, particularly after you've done brainstorming and DBQ goals. Okay. So when they run out of tasks, dudes, you just sit down in the next one-on-one -on -one and either extend with the resource they're already using, let's read another book, let's go to another class, let's uh, let's continue with you doing your practice sessions in front of me, maybe more mentor, maybe more book chapters, whatever, okay? Or if those aren't working the well as well as we may like, we go back to our resources list to see if there's something else there that we could use to help move towards the goal. And again, we don't force down the direct throat, only the ideas that we have, we're willing to consider theirs, as long as theirs are reasonably cost-effective and efficient as well. And if a particular resource stop seems to be effective, one of the mentors just isn't involved, say, okay, dude, don't reach out to that guy anymore. He's a pain. We're not doing this, okay? And this, the idea of stopping working with a resource, is particularly important to remember when we and our direct are different in style or behavioral tendency. If you're a high C and they're a high I, don't force them to read five more books. Let them get a mentor, let them get a buddy, let them, let them attend a seminar. And yes, it's possible that some of your high C readers who don't go to a seminar will say, why does that high I guy get to go to seminars when he's being trained? And your answer should be because it works. And if you really want to go to seminar, put in budget for it, okay? And by the way, guys, one more thing I want to say about this. It's also okay if in the first week they had seven things to do and five of them got done and you suddenly realize, wow, we just hired a personal coach within a week. I thought that'd take a month. It's an opportunity to give positive feedback too. Feedback is not just negative. It can be positive also. And that's, I mean, probably went into more detail, but every week we're going to be talking. Where are you? What do you think you're doing? How far are you going to get to go? There may be a time when, when, when Derek gets assigned to a special project for a month and we say, dude, you totally need to focus on the special project. No more coaching. Set it aside. When you come back, we'll pick it right up because we want deadlines to drive behaviors, but we don't want deadlines to punish people. We just don't. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. So wrapping up, if you're going to coach somebody, if you want somebody's skills to improve at work in a particular area, we recommend you always start with feedback. Okay. Start there because if you just give them more work to do and give them lots of feedback, they may improve. The next thing we ask is you follow the coaching model, collaborate on the goal, collaborate on brainstorming resources, collaborate on planning some short-term actions, and then have them report progress versus the goal every single week until they achieve it. And guys, you can coach almost anybody on anything. The keys are to see it as a self-improvement project for the direct 
which you are the supervisor and not the trainer of. And what you do is take a lot of small, achievable steps rather than trying to set some big, hairy, audacious goal. Early feelings of accomplishment are hugely correlated with project success. So that's the way to do it. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. You bet, partner, anytime. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.